Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So some of you have heard Anne Green on the podcast twice. I interviewed her in episode three and in episode six, she flipped it and interviewed me. That was awesome. That was one of the best ones. That was fun. Um, so this one, I'm going to interview Anne interviewing Steve, her husband. <laughs> Basically, I'm not going to do anything but tr just try to hold it together and tell us when we're done. <laughs> so I would like to know who is Steve and how do you know him, Anne? Well, Stephen Green, he was a boy dancer who came to Jubilee in 1993. And let me tell you, he was hot stuff. He had come from ballet company. Everybody was a Twitter. This was even before Twitter. We were a Twitter. He showed up. He's so cute. He's such an amazing dancer. He had... He had, and still has, feet like hooks. It was amazing. So it was just really fun to have him, have him come into the show. It was just, we had this period of time where there were a lot of single straight guys at one time. And wow, when you have, you know, the cast, we were 95 strong with a lot of women in there, probably 60 women. We had a really good time flirting with all the boys. I'm not going to lie. So, so yeah, Steve and I met, we were in Jubilee together for a year before we left Jubilee and kind of went in two different directions for our own careers. Um, in fact, this, we're kind of doing this backwards, but when we left Jubilee, I went on to do a tour and Steve went to Los Angeles. We were apart for about a year. After that, we came back together uh, and, we, and we stayed together that whole time, actually. We decided, we actually decided once we parted Jubilee to make our relationship a thing, like really go for it, which make was it make it work. So. So then when we got back together after a year, we both auditioned for um, a ship show, a cruise ship. One of us got it and went around the world, and the other one went back home to Seattle and cried a lot because my, my boyfriend was on the seven seas on a world cruise. And that was another six months that we were apart. So we were apart for about a year and a half. And then when we saw each other again after Steve got off the ship. I um, had to find my land legs again. And proposed to me. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So you were not, were you not dating in Jubilee? We, we were. We yeah. were. Yeah, okay. yeah. But there was a brief break. Yeah, it was called the Steve Green Diet. It was um, what guys do. We actually try to think about things and we mess everything up instead of following our gut. Yeah. Or our heart. Right. So he broke my heart for a little, a little bit of time there in Jubilee, like really broke my heart. But, um, but yeah, we came back together and had a really fun time. And, and then we went our separate ways there for a little bit. And yeah, and then, and we've been married, we got married in 1997 and we'll be celebrating 23 years married in next month and 27 years together from 1994. So yeah, crazy. Look at that. I, I have a question though, back to when, uh, you know, you get cute boys coming into the show. Yeah. Like, how many, is it like, I'm trying to remember this, <laughs> like backstage, like, oh, did you see, or, or did you like, like kind of just look at him from afar? Did you guys, how did you actually even like converse? Cause it's not like a tiny little theater show. It's a huge show. You have to work hard to get to get on the same part of the 
theater with the person? Uh, well, That's a great question. Well, once once you once you're used to oh hi, I'm Steve Green. Um, <laughs> Uh, so once you get used to the show, like, you know, you've done the rehearsals and then you've actually done the show and then you screwed things up that you thought you were going to screw up, you know, and then like, you just kind of get all the kinks out. Now you're kind of in cruise control. That's when the fun starts. (laughs) That's when, that's when, you know, okay, when, when Samson pulls the temple down, I've got five seconds before all the women run on stage or whatever it is. And um, so then you can like kind of go over and start talking and flirting or whatever. And, you know, or, you know, hang out with your friends. So trust me there, everybody who's in theater knows there's the show and then, then there's the show within the show. And really it's us entertaining ourselves. So so Steve, is that in the Bible about Samson before he tears down the temple? He's got a bunch of women he's got to get to quickly. Well, this was in Las Vegas, so let's be very light with the Bible there. <laughs> it is Sin City, of course. But no, um, it was that was a moment in um, Jubilee, and I just used that as an example. But uh, there were there was in that show there was plenty of time to hang out and talk and. And, you know, uh, as with any sort of theatrical production, that becomes your world, that becomes your family, whether you like people or not, you know, it's the people you don't like is that uncle you don't talk about or, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a family. And, and that's, uh, that's actually one of the, one of the biggest things that I miss about not dancing is is the family is the connections it's the insane amount of time we spend with these people but it's also the beautiful friendships and beautiful experiences that we have with these people so i think no but i think for you and i i think we just started to go out as you know as a group after the show like we would go out to have dinner you know at one in the morning like you do and i think we just started to kind of connect outside of the show and then we were partners for a couple of the numbers and we just I don't know you know the flirt the flirting just starts happening I mean I I'm pretty sure that <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the majority of girls and boys were flirting with Steve when he first showed up just just to be like where's this gonna let's see where this lands let's see where this guy lands I we don't know let's see but um but I think it was really kind of the after the show stuff that's where we started to get to know each other and, and hang out and stuff but if it's okay I'd like to bring it back even further to say because yeah let's in bring the it back beginning, in the beginning there was nothing uh, <laughs> so steve steve you were actually born and raised in las vegas yes i was yeah so how how was early your early dance years like what were they like what were your early dance years like early dance years uh was um my first dance teacher jan butler school of dance what <laughs> um at griffith united methodist church on the east side of vegas Oki boulevard or <laughs> Avenue. i can't remember anyway um it was at a church and my youngest brother nate was uh starting uh well they were gonna try and uh get these kids to go through like dance you know as far as part of like pe or something and i'm like hey i want to do that so i started off tap dancing and doing tumbling not gymnastics tumbling how old were you oh seven and um it was it was 
it was game over. I was, I was hooked. I don't know what it was, but I wanted to do that. So um, I was a uh, fair to Midland tap dancer. And uh, at the age of seven, we did a lot of competitions. So there was the JC State Fair. There was the AMVETS something or other. And after a while, I started collecting a lot of trophies and ribbons and stuff. So, um, you know, I just kept doing it. Um, and then, oh, I can't remember the year Turning Point came out. But um, Mikhail Baryshnikov absolutely blew my mind. I'm like, how is this guy defying gravity? And how the heck is he turning like a top for 25 minutes? And um, I, I, I was hooked. I was absolutely blown away by, that, by him. And um, so I asked my mom, if I could start taking ballet class and I started taking ballet class. And at that point I had um, moved over to another dance school, um, Alicia Carter, um, God rest her soul. She was a former um, ice skater and she skated with the old ice capades where they were on a train and they toured the United States on a train. So her and her husband, Jimmy Carter, uh, no relation to the oh. <laughs> El Presidente. Um, they were an adage couple, and they were an, an ice adage couple. And they worked for years and years and years and years. So she, uh, her and Jimmy, uh, settled down in Las Vegas. I'm not, where, I'm not sure where she's originally from. But um, anyway, they started dance school, and I went over there. And the reason I went over there is because uh, there was – a broader uh, offering of classes. There was tap, there was ballet, there was gymnastics, there was actually a little bit of partnering. And um, what was the other thing? Uh, there was a little bit of um, social dancing, like salsa and, and ballroom and all that kind of stuff. How old were you at this point? I was in my teens, early, early teens. And um, because there was like this competition um, at, the, at all these festivals, uh, I was known as the Green Monster at, at the Alicia Carter School of Dance. What, what? So, uh, and it could have been the uh, electric green uh, suit my mom made for me <laughs> for a tap number. I do have that picture somewhere. I will send that to you. Please. Um, you know what? I wore it well. <laughs> I wore did. it well. Oh, I, I was, oh, I was pimping. <laughs> Um, what about Rainbow Company? How did so, Rainbow Company yeah, so early teens, I also, so when I got involved, uh, or when we moved over to the Alicia Carter Dance School, uh, there was um, a young lady there, uh, Lisa Mandel, and she introduced me to uh, the Rainbow Company, which was a children's theater through the Las Vegas City Parks and Recreation Department. And uh, to this day, they are still part of Las Vegas theater scene. And uh, they've been to the Kennedy Center. I mean, they, they've had a ton of awards. Some unbelievably talented people have been through there. And what they did is they trained everybody on the, every aspect of the theater. So we worked the front office. So we took tickets and all that kind of stuff. We worked on the lights. Uh, we had, of course, under adult supervision, uh, we had, um, we ran the soundboard, 
um, some of the students were, or some of, well, there was a core called the ensemble that you had to audition for. And I was lucky enough to get into the ensemble. So uh, they uh, taught us every aspect of uh, the theater. So it was backstage, on stage, front of the house, like all of it. And um, I have to say that that has probably set me up for the rest of my life um, as far as goal, being goal-driven and knowing my responsibilities and thinking out of the box and um, customer relations, how to talk to people. Um, yeah, that was very... Um, that was a very powerful thing in my life. And how long were you in Rainbow Company? I think I was, well, I was connected to them. My first production was The Wizard of Oz, and I was one of the jitterbugs. Um, and that's how I got into the uh, Rainbow Company scene. Um, probably three years, three or four years. And does that take you into high school then? Does that take you up to? It takes me into junior high. Junior high to high school. So I think probably seventh grade is when I did uh, The Wizard of Oz. And then um, at 17, uh, I auditioned for the National Academy of Arts in Champaign, Illinois. And that was a, um, that was a uh, classical ballet company, or that was a classical ballet school. It was a uh, dance and music school. Kind of like fame? Uh, ish. Ish. Um, there was there definitely was uh, the music part, but it was very heavy on dance. And it was all aspects, you know, um, modern dance, uh, contemporary, and of course, classical ballet. And um, that was, um, that was a rude awakening, but it was probably one of the best things that I've ever done for myself uh, in my life. Um, I, rude awakening well, you know, I was winning all these, Oh, big fish, Minerals, small pond. Yeah, I was, yeah. Ah, I had a big head. And um, I hope I wasn't a, an asshole. But, <laughs> oh, crap. I Sorry, Sherry. I tried to keep it clean. I, I couldn't do it. Um, but, you know, when you're being told, yeah, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best, you start believing you're the best. So I went to Champaign, Illinois. And there were people that had studied in New York at School of American Ballet and the ABT School and some people from out of the country. And um, I got to hand it to myself. I, I, well, I was in Illinois by myself, so I couldn't really pack up and go home. So, <laughs> you know, you just... Hold you stick it out. You just make it work, Now, right? at this point, were you uh, primarily ballet at this point then? Were you... No, no, I was very, very, very new to ballet compared to the other people. So um, it, it came down that there was an upper level and a lower level. And I was in the lower level where I absolutely should have been. Maybe not even that. I mean, I was okay at it. Um, my... I. At that point, I was a dancer from, or a ballet dancer from the ankles down. I had great feet, but, you know, the technique wasn't there. The partnering wasn't there, but you know what? I, I had determination, and I was going to make it work. So um, I had uh, world-class teachers, which was a, a blessing, and um, they pretty much saw that, you know, I was very, very rough. So um, we danced six days a week, and we... 
went to school from probably 7 a.m. to about noonish, and then from one to five or one to six, we were in the studio. And uh, it was a hell of a schedule. Um, and I think that is what turned me around to where I was able to function and, and, and have a career in, in the uh, professional ballet world. So how many years were you at the high school there then? Uh, I was uh, only to be there one year. And probably three quarters away through my first year, I got mononucleosis, oh, no. the kissing disease. Okay, <laughs> like, I don't know, 10 guys and 35 girls, you figure it out. And um, um, so I got mono and I was not able to finish my uh, senior year. So uh, they actually invited me back and I was able to secure a scholarship. And um, uh, that second year, I also had a scholarship that first year. And, um, you know, I was able to go back and thank God I was able to go back. And I think in between there, I did a summer session, which was also good. Um, and, uh, that was, uh, probably, that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me uh, as far as my dance. And then, so from, so you graduate from National Academy and then what happens? Then, then where do you go? Um, well, so uh, the beauty of the National Academy is there were so many um, world-class teachers that um, our year-end program uh, had a lot of artistic directors coming from all over the, the nation. And so it was basically an audition. Uh, our, our final show was an audition. Mm. And uh, from there, I got a couple of um, offers um, and, uh, I ended up in, uh, Las Vegas at the old, uh, Nevada Dance Theater, which mm. is, I think it's Nevada Ballet Theater now. Uh, but, uh, it was, uh, Vasily Sulich, and I actually knew Vasily. Uh, he was a former, um, uh, strip performer, Las Vegas Strip. Okay. He wasn't a stripper. <laughs> well, uh, maybe he was, I don't know. Um, it, he could probably clear that up. He's still alive. And, um... So he, um, actually that guy was part of, he was like one of those adagio men on the strip that, uh, he could go into any show and just, you know, get, uh, get a hold of a partner that had some sort of ballet training or was a really good partner and just do some amazing adagio mm. stuff. So, um, that was the other thing that I had to figure out that Adagio was a man and a woman doing a, you know, lifts and all that kind of stuff. And then in a ballet world, it is a pas de deux. So um, I, I, I figured it out, but um, no, he was, uh, he gave me my first uh, contract and unfortunately I hurt my back uh, probably halfway through that contract. So uh, I had a ruptured disc and my L5 S1 and uh, I had to have surgery. And, How old uh, were you at this point? I was 21. Wow. So just starting out, and I had my legs cut underneath me. So um, in the ballet world, uh, or just in the dan dance world in general, you know, you that that could have been a career ender. And I've actually um, have a couple of um, dancers that I went to school with back in Illinois. Uh, they've also had back injuries that that ended their careers. Did you think this was it for you at that time, or did you I feel did. you did? Yeah, yeah I, I, I was being told by every doctor that I saw that I was done, mm. and it was going to be a huge surgery. I was going to be in a body cast for six months. Oh, my gosh. And 
fortunately for me, one of the dancers referred me to a chiropractor down there, Robert Hamlin. I believe he's still alive, but I don't believe he practices anymore, Dr. Bob. Big burly guy, like like from Alaska, burly. <laughs> like just the big face of fur and but the nicest guy in the world, super in tune with dancers. Mm, and that's so um, I was blessed with meeting him. He was treating me and he was like, you know, Steve, we're gonna do we're gonna do this this way. We're gonna do microdiscectomy, which is a brand new thing. And um, back in 1983 it was. And no, 80. 85 is when I had the surgery and I'll be darned you know it was a less than an inch scar um, I did my you know post-op and then after that I pretty much did my rehab so I did a lot of pool work uh, I was in the pool probably mm -hmm. five days a week mm -hmm. and uh, just kind of get myself back into uh, shape so I was off of dance for probably about a year mm -hmm. And um, I have no clue how my family put up with me because <laughs> I was an asshole. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Sherry. Two. Two cuss words. Um, did you know, I mean, did you have your career in your sights? Did you, was that what you were fighting to get back to? Or did you, were, did you really think that, that you were not going to be able to go back? How, did, how were you in that time? I had no trajectory in my mind. Mm. Like, I had no plotted course. Mm -hmm. I just knew I wanted to be in a ballet company mm -hmm. and I thought about going to New York and that would have been cool. Uh, but I was more of the, uh, you know, I was like this little leaf on the, on the river and I was just kind of going where I went. Uh, but I, uh, I did have to reconcile in my mind that I, uh, it was in my hands to, mm -hmm. to rehab and to get back. And um, Vasily Sulich was kind enough to offer me another contract for the next year. And I was actually able to do that contract. And um, they, it, was, it was a hell of a year. You know, I did the, the gesture in Cinderella and it was pretty high energy and I was able to get through it. And oddly enough, uh, Ballet West, and I had a good friend from the National Academy who yeah. went from the Academy directly to uh, Ballet West. And just tell where Ballet West is in case people oh, don't Ballet know. West is in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah. So I was going from Las Vegas, Nevada to Salt Lake City, Utah. And my friend Jeffrey Rogers, who is still there, and uh, he is the principal teacher at the Ballet West Academy. Um, you know, we had kept in touch uh, over like my time away from the National Academy. And uh, he had a wonderful, I think like 20 plus year career as a principal dancer there. I mean, he was, he really did some great stuff mm -hmm. at Ballet West. Mm -hmm. And they happened to be in St. George on a tour. So they all came down to Las Vegas. And one day, like matinee, you know, everybody's like, yeah, matinee, We're just, we'll kind of dial it in, you know, like 75%. <laughs> Like half of Ballet West is in the audience. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> And uh, that actually was kind of an audition too. So um, right after uh, Cinderella wrapped for us at Nevada Dance Theater, um, I, actually, I went up to Salt Lake and auditioned for them. Mm -hmm. And I uh, auditioned for uh, 
Louis Godfrey and Denise Schultz, who were the interim directors at the time. This was, it was kind of a weird time. Bruce Marks was in between Salt Lake City and um, Boston. He was uh, set to go to be the Boston Ballet director. And um, uh, Louis Godfrey and Denise Schultz, um, they were the interim before John Hart actually took over. So I auditioned for Ballet West both times. And they liked me, and I got a core contract, and I was there for seven years. Yeah, you were there a long time. Yeah. So then, so you're in, you're in ballet company, um, but you come back to Las Vegas. And this is what kind of leads you to Jubilee. Yes. So uh, at the end of each contract at Ballet West, we would have a meeting with the artistic director and the artistic staff, and we would talk about what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it, what they liked about us, what we didn't, they didn't like about us. Um, every dancer had that, uh, that conference and they offered me another contract at the end of seven, seven years. And at that point, uh, I had started auditioning around. I auditioned for San Francisco ballet. I auditioned for a couple of other. PNB. Oh yeah. PNB. Right. right. Yeah. I came up to PNB. Where I learned I was not a Balanchine dancer, uh, but I fell in love with Seattle. It was, um, it was everything that I thought I would, e that I imagined as a kid where I wanted to live. Mm -hmm. Like it was close to the water. And I, 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 born and raised in Las Vegas, in the dirt. And for some reason I was fascinated by the ocean. And you know, as a kid, my mom and dad would take us to California. That was our big trip. And um, I could not get enough of the ocean and the lush green, yeah. you know, foliage, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so anyway, uh, at the end of seven years, um, they offered me a contract and I playfully declined. And I, my plan was to uh, go back to Las Vegas for a little bit. Um, get into one of the uh, strip shows had no idea which one and um, you know kind of save my money and maybe go to Los Angeles while I was in uh, Salt Lake City I met Robert Urich's wife um, oh my gosh what is her name I can't think of it right now oh, Kathy, no. she was in she was one of the Von Trapp kids in Sound of Music Heather Dennett Heather Heather Urich. Oh, Urich. Heather well, Urich. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Bo, uh, she was um, she was a big uh, she was big in the Ballet West. I don't know if she was part of the board, but we just like started talking, and just the nicest lady. I never got to meet Robert, um, like sit down and talk with him. I saw him maybe once or something, but uh, and he was huge, big dude. Oh. Uh, like tall, you mean? Yeah, he oh, was okay. just a like he looked like a a linebacker. Like oh. he was a big dude, um, super cool. But um, anyway, Heather was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, if you're thinking about going to Los Angeles, you, let me help you." I was like, "Okay." So that was kind of my plan, but um, I knew that uh, I was probably going to be in the core for the rest of my career at, at Ballet West. And, um, you know, like everybody, I wanted to do the principal roles or at least, you know, being in the feature roles. And I got to do that uh, as a core dancer and as a senior artist. I left as a senior artist. 
Um, and I never really figured out if that was the artist that used a walker to get into the studio or, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I was very blessed with the career I had there. And, um, you know, it led me to where I'm at now. Um, but um, yeah, you know, I kind of figured that it was time to move on. And, um, and I did. And so how did you, like, how, how did you arrange your audition at Jubilee? Or did you go to one of the open calls or did you have a private, like, how did you get your audition? So, uh, to all you dancers out there, never burn a bridge. And <laughs> sure. that's great advice. Feel free to call on any friends from your past and Agreed. go, hey, I'm looking for blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, so it turns out that uh, Vince Gargani, um, we danced together at uh, Nevada Dance Theater. And he left Nevada Dance Theater and became a showboy. So he'd, been a, he'd done a few shows uh, on, on the uh, Las Vegas Strip. And I had, you know, I would see him every time I would come home to Las Vegas from Salt Lake. And um, so one day I was like, hey, Vince, you know, when do you guys audition? And he was like, oh, my God, are you thinking about leaving Valley West? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm thinking about it. And it'd be kind of fun to come home and do a show because – I think deep down in my bones, I'm a show guy. Like I love the musicals. I love yeah, tap. Yeah. I love, I love all that stuff. And don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved ballet. Um, it was, uh, you know, some of the roles I did in ballet were, were, were awesome. And you are a beautiful ballet dancer. I mean, he, he can't say that about himself, but I can. He's a beautiful ballet dancer. But let me tell you, when you slap on some tap shoes and you put this guy in a tuxedo with a top hat, you're like, oh, yeah, you kind of belong in that. <laughs> that looks amazing. Yeah, carry on. Anyway, so you connected with Vince. So I connected with Vince, and I was able to get an audition. With so was it private? I think so. Yeah, it's I, hard to remember. It's a long time ago. <laughs> because, you know, uh, you know how how it goes, you know, you just go to every audition yeah. and you just wait for something to stick to the wall, right? You know, we you wait for the call back. So I auditioned for a couple of different shows, but Jubilee was, it just felt right. And uh, Fluff liked me. And I think that there was enough former ballet people that went through Jubilee that I think that was easier for me to go. And um, so, I ended up at Jubilee, and um, how was that? How was Jubilee after well, being in the ballet world for so long? So it's pretty night and day in some respects. So it's it's weird how the universe kind of deals your life out. So I chose to leave Ballet West, and I left in like May, April or May, and uh, moved down to Las Vegas. Broke up with a woman I'd been seeing for for a while just like kind of severed ties um, my friend Jeff was still up there and we you know we're like we're brothers so you know we that connection was always there but um, I pretty much just like picked up and moved on so I moved back down to Las Vegas and um, for some reason, I had to go back to Salt Lake City. Well, when I went back to Salt Lake City, my mother passed away unexpectedly. And as a medical person now, 
I realized that for the past, for, uh, for three days prior to me leaving, she was having the classic female symptoms of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody knew mm-hmm. at that point. So um, I was in Salt Lake when I got the call from my brother, Chris, that my mom had died. Mm-hmm. And that, that pretty much shattered, shattered my, my world. Yeah. Sure. I may cry at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but um it it only it only reinforced my decision to to move back home so i was at home to kind of be around all the broken pieces you know my dad was devastated he did cpr which Mm. just breaks my heart to think about that because he found her in the morning she had basically passed away in her in her sleep which is an awesome way to go but um anyway so Literally a month after my mom died, I started rehearsing for Jubilee. And if anyone has ever seen the old Jubilee, it was it was like cutting a, a car engine in half and seeing it move. There were ten thousand at least moving parts to that show. And as an audience member, you're blown away by the Titanic sinking. Um, Samson destroying the temple. I mean, it was just one huge, enormous theatrical thing. Yeah. Yeah. After another. And, um, you know, there was at one point, if you were on the top of the passerelle or no, uh, top of the stairs in the finale, uh, if you fell, you would literally fall three stories because it was, you were two stories up on the stage and then there was a story below where the elevators would have all these things you know the titanic sink and all this kind of stuff so um it was it was an enormous show um i actually cannot tell you much about how that all went but i can tell you one of the most unique dancers i've ever met in my life tony maxwell Tony, you're in Europe. You Ernie. better be listening to this. Ernie. I'll be nice and I won't cuss. But this guy was like the salt of the earth. He um, he was, um, there were guys in the old olden days of Las Vegas. They, we call them forklifts. They could, they could lift a girl. They could lift a boy. Um, they could partner well. They were okay as a dancer. You know, they could move, but they were basically forklifts. And Tony was a forklift. But he was probably one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. And it wasn't like, oh, he was totally PG, like 39 funny. But um, he was R rated, borderline X. Oh, yeah. Okay. But it was just what I needed to kind of yeah. slap myself into reality um, to kind of get my head out of the fog of death and loss. Yeah. And, and it was multiple things. You know, um, anybody who's, who's older or has had to leave dance for whatever reason, injury or, or life choice or whatever, uh, there is... People say, well, you you grieve when you leave dance. That is putting it very mildly. There, it is another enormous loss. And I, I feel like anybody, musician, actor, dancer, Arts. 
um, artist, if you've there, there, there is a calling in your soul to do that. And um, the reason I say that is because the people that actually make it happen and have a career, it, it can only be like a soulful motivation that made those people put up with all the rejection and all the abuse and all the blood and all the swelling and just, oh my God, who would want to do this? <laughs> but you know, when you're on that stage and the lights are shining in your face and people are going bananas for what you just did, it's all worth it. It just, yeah. it just disappears. All that work, you remember it, you know, it becomes part of your soul. But um, anyway, so Tony was <laughs> one of those people that could just slap me into reality. So, you know, I buckled down and I learned the show and I did well. And um, I, I wasn't that good of an actor because Fluff always knew Fluff Laco, who was the, um, she was the grand dame of uh, Jubilee for, for years. Yeah. She was, she literally was the soul, the heart and the soul of that show and um, former showgirl yeah. herself. And um, she knew that my heart was not fully into that show. I did a good job. She was always very happy with what I did. And she, she always gave me praise for, you know, any role she put me in. But she knew that I was not happy. And she actually asked uh, several people um, why I wasn't happy. And... Um, I don't know if she didn't know or if she forgot that, you know, I'd lost my mom and, you know, I left, I left, uh, I, you know, I, I could probably still be at Valley West. I don't know, but, um, in some form or fashion, uh, but, um, yeah, she knew that, that I was not, I you was a hundred percent. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was not giving a hundred percent to that show and don't get me wrong. That show was the best therapy that could have ever happened to me that so at that time i was in jubilee there was half gay men and half straight men in the in the uh dressing room and let me tell you it was a party every night like you boys and um it was uh, it was my humble pleasure to be a part of that because uh, it will, it will never be replicated ever in the universe, maybe in an alternative universe, but, uh, it was just, it was just what I needed. It was the distraction. Um, and it was the workout. Um, you know, I, I, I did some incredibly physically hard stuff dance wise. Um, and for some reason, I said yes to everybody. So I did a lot of these little off shows. Um, there was a, a bar there called The Gypsy, which oh. was, you know, back in the day, it was a cornerstone to the show people. Um, I think it was maybe the first or one of the first gay bars or alternative lifestyle bars. And um, great shows there, great little showcases. They, they were very um, connected to the, uh, the, um, uh, show the show people so you know you do your two shows and then at midnight you'd go over to gypsy and do another show till you know two or three in the morning it was just it it really was an awesome life it was 
completely opposite of the normal work day, you know, as you know, we, we were just getting ready to do our show at nine o'clock and people are getting ready to go to bed, you know. Uh, but uh, it was probably one of the best things I ever did in my career. It was, uh, you know, just this whole other family and world. And um, I, I did a lot of really great dancing there. Yeah. A lot of modern, a lot of contemporary, a lot of very risque, but, but artistic um, pieces. And uh, there were... There were choreographers, you know, I mean, these, these showboys and showgirls would do these uh, pieces and the choreography was brilliant, you know, and, um, you know, I see a little bit of it on like, so you think you can dance, you know, some of these pros that they'll bring in to do these uh, pieces, I'll be like, oh, that's very reminiscent of, you know, someone I worked with, but um Back in the day, you know, it wasn't on TV. It was in gay bars yeah. and and these little, you know, theaters that we could rent. And um, you know, the beginnings of uh, Golden Rainbow. You oh, know, yeah. the the uh, big uh, AIDS benefit in Las Vegas. And um, that was always so fun because you had like collaborations of showgirls and showboys from all different shows in the same numbers together. Like that's where you really got to network and meet other dancers and just really connect with our community. Cause the community in Las Vegas is quite strong. I mean, it's, it was pretty impressive back then, but yeah, Golden Rainbow was amazing. And that's when you also saw the, the extended talents of our colleagues. So we all do the show, right? But like, yeah, there are amazing choreographers in there. There are amazing dancers that get to express themselves in a grander way than maybe the, the what the choreography has in the, in any given show but yeah those were great days to see you know to collaborate and make some really cool pieces i'll, I'll be honest um, uh for the most part all of the shows in las vegas was very basic cookie cutter choreography and that does uh, and i'm i'm not trying to demean anything it was beautiful but there were a few shows that really stretched the dancers as far as tech, technical um, tricks um, and, and choreography. The Golden Rainbow is where you saw that, you know, these choreographers that you're like, I had no clue you could choreograph. And it was just brilliant stuff. And these dancers would sing and you're like, holy yeah. moly, where is that voice? And these, these singers would dance and you're like, uh, wow. You know, you just, it was kind of like one, like just huge, like surprise after another. So let's talk about, so we already talked about when we left Jubilee, we were apart for about a year and a half and then we came back together and then talk just briefly about a couple of the other, like what you did post Jubilee, because we did come back to Las Vegas, and then talk about what you're doing today for our living. Like, what were the shows that you did after Jubilee? So after Jubilee, um, let's see, I went to Los Angeles and tried to become an actor. An actor! And uh, that was probably the weirdest nine months of my <laughs> life. LA is weird, okay? And I'm just gonna say it, put it out there for the good of the order. Um, the film and television industry is, um, different. Yeah. And I found out very, 
very early doing, you know, and I was just doing extra work and, you know, I was just trying to do my thing in LA. So I worked at the Eddie Bauer at the Beverly Center. Yes, you do. And um, like my friend Tony said, oh, you're an actor. What restaurant do you work at? Um, For you, it was retail. Oh, yeah, it was total retail. And uh, met some really funny people there, too. Um, I think the theme in my life is I have to have fun at work. Um, so wait till you hear what I do now. Anyway, uh, so, uh, yeah, did a little bit of the acting, and I definitely found out that I like the theater better than I did film and television. Um, and I think it was the instant gratification or the, the energy exchange is what I like to say, because uh, in the theater, you know when you're dying and you know when you're killing. Um, and uh, to film and TV, it's just so disjointed. Okay, today we're gonna film the end. And I'm like, eh, what happened to everything before that? And it's just the way they work. Uh, so, and it's cool. You know, there are people that are absolutely brilliant at that. I was not one of those people. So uh, what I did is uh, I started auditioning around and I actually auditioned for uh, an outdoor an outdoor gig in Southern Utah, like St. George. And it turns out, again, people, your past is coming at you. Um, Daryl Yeager was one of the choreographers that came down and did a piece um, for Nevada Dance Theater. And we just hit it off, total goofball, Super awesome guy, really fun choreography, you know, just very athletic. Um, so uh, uh, I got I got the job at uh, this production called Utah. Utah. And uh, <laughs> That's how the song went. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it was, I don't it was know a musical. I, I don't know if it ever made it to Broadway, <laughs> but uh, it, it was a lot of fun. And to to do theater and dance on a stage that was at the time it was pretty technical technology oh my god I have had way too much to drink <laughs> it was a very technical show it was like very uh there were like very lights everywhere the stage was um uh kind of sprung but it was concrete anyway we had a flood uh but we were in this canyon so to go out and and just perform and to look at your backdrop which was this canyon was was yeah, the amphitheater it was amazing it was really quite beautiful to a con theater it's still there go go see something yeah, there it's gorgeous whether it's good or bad you'll love the theater yep so did that then um moved back to uh oh wait i did uh the cruise ship so six months i was on the cruise ship and uh that was gene and ryan productions and that was weird. Yeah, you did um, a world cruise. Yeah, it was so travel. Yeah, so it was me <laughs> and was five so other sad. people. And they said that they only needed a guy. And when I got on the ship, they actually needed a guy and a girl. But, you know, whatever. Um, that was a weird experience. But I got to see the world. It was yeah. unbelievable. And my my partner, my Dodge partner, Cheryl Dickens, Cheryl DeKaiser now, uh, was super awesome and uh, a former ballet person. Uh, she was mostly in uh, California companies. And um, we just tore it up. And we have some amazing shots at some of the oldest. Uh, yeah, at the Acropolis. I mean, really wow. Quad. Yeah. Quad. 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 We've had a little champagne. Anyway, 
so there was that. Uh, I was a stagehand for Lord of the Dance for a hot second. And again, it was a friend of a friend that got me the job. Okay. And then uh, I was waiting. Actually, oh, wait, uh, Siegfried and Roy was yeah. in there for like a year mm -hmm. uh, or maybe six months. And uh, then uh, a couple of one-off little shows, one at the Sahara. Uh, don't know if the Sahara is still around anymore. And then uh, I was trying to get into the Rockettes. So uh, Anne had been in... Uh, the Lido over at um, the Tropicana and uh, oh I'm sorry Folie Verger and then uh, she wanted to audition for the Rockettes so we packed up and flew to uh, New York and she spent three days at Radio City and I was running around New York just killing time and uh, she got the gig in uh, Las Vegas so we went back and she was a Rockette and I was still trying to find work and uh, finally someone left and I was able to get into the Rockettes. So um, that was our last gig uh, before we left Las Vegas, yeah. before I left dance, before we both left dance. Yeah. Uh, Anne hurt her neck. So that was a pretty was quick stop to her career. And then uh, we had heard that the uh, contract was going to not be renewed. Uh, and uh, I figured, you know, or we both figured, we, may, uh, we were married at the time. Uh, we figured that was a good time to move up to uh, Seattle and uh, start a new life. So what do you do now, post-dance? So now I work at Swedish Medical Center. I am an anesthesia technician. I'm one of the shift leads, one of the day shift leads. And I've been at Swedish for about 15 years. It's amazing. I mean, what a switch. What a switch from your dance career and did you ever, ever, as a little kid, while you're tapping around, ever think that you would be in the medical field? No, I got through school by the grace of my parents doing my homework. <laughs> and um, a few of my teachers actually recognized that I really wanted to be in the theater more yeah. than I wanted to be in school. Yeah. And um, that was junior high and high school. So, um, yeah. Uh, if my parents were already gone, I think them knowing that I was at uh, working in a hospital would kill them. No, they would love it. <laughs> so listen, we're about out of time. Thank you so much for sharing your story with all of us. It's really fun to get a, a male perspective of the industry. And it's really kind of fun to see that really, since a kid, you were meant to be in that profession. Like that is what you were designed to do for sure. Yeah. So final question then, going back, looking back at Jubilee, what is your, what is like your favorite memory from the boys dressing room or just like your favorite feeling from being in Jubilee? What was what did you love about it? What was your favorite? Funny, whatever it is. Thursday night drag night. <laughs> Thursday night drag night. Eric Miller, God rest his soul. Oh, yeah. Was one hell of a drag queen. Yep. Jack Faya, if you're out there, hey. Um, <laughs> and there was, I mean, I can't even remember the other guys, but these guys would doll up and the music was on volume 11 and they would go th so in jubilee there was god how many people were in that cast 95 ish okay there you go so it was it was kind of a big cast and they there was 
not counting the principal dressing rooms, there were four dressing rooms that everybody else was in. And these boys would work all four dressing <laughs> rooms and it was a party. Now, Thursday was our Friday because right. we were off Fridays. And wow, it I I do miss Thursday drag night. Yeah, that was fun. Um, it was so much fun and it was just the costumers, everybody was involved. Yeah. It was really fun. That's awesome. This was so much fun because I've known Anne, I think we talked about it in the interview. I've known, known her, I've known her, words are hard, since she was just a defiant little ballerina in a um, baseball outfit. Uh, but I, and I got to know you from her, but I've heard pieces of your story, but this was really fun to hear, to hear all the other bits I've heard and also to watch Anne's face. She's probably heard this before, but it was really fun to, I don't know how that was for you to end, interview the husband that you live with and hear his story. Oh, I loved it. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I learned stuff today too. I loved it. Yeah. And we, my kids always say, Ann and Steve, like you guys are one of the most fun couples I know. Aww. And so I really love getting to interview Ann by herself. But this was really fun to see how you guys are as a couple. And like your careers alone are so rich, but put that together. That's, that's like 12 resumes that people should be envious, right? Of that, how Aww, much you guys worked and the shows you've done and and I I love that you also address like the the pain of when your career ends that's been coming up a lot with bluebells yeah people choose it some not but but it's also really fun to hear what people do after but the dance is not gone and I like right. I know Anne, I perform I know Steve's at the show I know that there's parts of us even if it's just watching dance <laughs> yeah uh, on your bones so Steve I will give you ten dollars to come on for a live video podcast if you tap dancing in drag what <laughs> <laughs> well Done. oh well like ann said ann said that i had really nice legs but i was an ugly woman it's true his legs are amazing but wow uh-uh nope not pretty not pretty so I thank you both so much for this. And I was glad I was muted because I was laughing and I would have actually uh, snorted a little bit. into. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you again. It's always an honor to be included in your podcast. So thank you so much for letting us share our stories. And, you know, it's, it's stories are so important and this is what connects us. And I think that, I, I mean, as your podcasts are kind of showing around the world, you know, there is a common thread for all of us who, who are in these shows. And so to be able to share our stories and have other people listen and, and maybe, we, maybe we jog a memory that, that, has, you know, that somebody else has forgotten about, you know, that, that's just incredible. And it's a gift to be able to be a part of your podcast. So thank you so much for including us. And, and if I could just dovetail on that, this is the performing arts. So arts survive because one generation passes along to another generation. And I think it's so important that that we do that and um i i feel a responsibility even though i work in a hospital i haven't danced well no i, I still dance a little bit but you know i always consider myself a dancer and or a gypsy and um if there's any any time that anyone needs a favor or some advice or anything i i, I feel um obligated to pass that along because that's the only way this is going to survive. And now these poor uh, dancers and, and actors and, and art, well, maybe not artists, but, but um, musicians 
are all sidelined. And all I can say is just treat this as, a, as, as, as uh, you know, maybe an injury. And your job is to stay in shape and to, uh, to you know, just, just keep your craft, uh, you know, keep those tools sharp. And um, if you need any sort of support or help from someone who maybe is retired and has been through something like this, uh, not COVID, but, but, you know, the, the, the loss and, and the missing and all that, you know, reach out and, and to the people that are out of the game or have retired, you know, our obligation is to keep these, these young artists uh, motivated and, 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 and keep pushing them. I cannot think of a more perfect ending. Yeah. Peace out. Thank baby. you. Thank Love you, you guys. Thank Love you, you Sherry. Thank you.